And a warm-hearted good morning. Welcome to our Brunpen Studios, where we tackle contentious issues that affect our Christian world. The topic for discussion this morning, Christians and corruption. The results of the Corruption Perception Index of Transparency International currently and in no uncertain terms indicates the seriousness of a worldwide corruption pandemic. Although recent decades have witnessed a global public awareness and an increase in attempts to eradicate corruption, it is an ongoing problem. It is evident that legislation is not an effective deterrent and it should therefore also be tackled at grassroots level by involving ordinary citizens, including Christians. On an individual level, it entails personal honesty and the living of exemplary lives. On a public level, it requires the willingness to act as whistleblowers. Christians are called and sanctioned by God to participate actively in society's transformation. They need to think ethically to act with a proper attitude. Since it is so difficult to detect and to prove corruption, legal sanctions will probably never adequately serve as a deterrent. Opportunity, incentive, and risk are the three aspects of corruption, which can legally be controlled. But an important fourth aspect, namely personal honesty, is extremely difficult to control. Researchers wholeheartedly agree, and it's their conviction, that if the fourth aspect is not addressed, namely personal honesty, the fight against corruption is more likely already lost. Now, Section 195 of the Constitution cites certain basic values and principles to regulate public administration in South Africa. Some of these values and principles are the following. Number one, a high standard of professional ethics must be promoted and maintained. Number two, efficient, economic and effective use of resources must be promoted. Public administration must be accountable and public administration must be broadly representative of the South African people with employment and personnel management practices based on ability, objectivity and fairness. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, the question could be asked, how should ordinary citizens, and more particularly Christians, react when confronted with corruption? Don't stray or go away as Brunpland look at what is seemingly a runaway train, now dubbed the gravy train of corruption in South Africa, and how should we as Christians respond? We'll be back with our respondents right after this. All the way down from uh, the Western Cape, the beautiful town of Stellenbosch, Professor Dion Foster. I've got him online. Dion, just in a nutshell, to introduce you to our listeners, your background bio, please. Well, I'm uh, a sinner saved by grace. (laughs) I'm uh, an ordained uh, minister in the Methodist Church of of Southern Africa, and the church has seconded me. I serve uh, as a professor of ethics and systematic theology at the University of Stellenbosch. Dion, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us this morning. On the topic of Christians and uh, corruption, what is your understanding, the root causes of this current pandemic? And I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about corruption here. What would you say, according to scriptures, what are the root causes? 
Well, I would say, you know, probably at the heart of everything is the fact that, um, you know, as persons, we recognize that everyone is, is broken, everyone is sinful, and all of us uh, suffer from, from some insecurities in some way. Now, if we just quickly think about each of those, our brokenness often causes us to, to act in ways which are not in our own interests or in obedience to God. Our sinfulness means that we sometimes find it easier to do what is wrong rather than to do the thing that takes a bit more effort, a bit more patience, a bit more courage to do what is right. And of course, you know, the, the last one, our brokenness, often means that we, we don't have the capacity to trust that there is enough, that God's bounty is sufficient. And so what we often find is that, you know, people say, well, I need to hoard, I need to, I need to steal, I need to make sure that my bank account is full, that, that my barn is full, and, and even if it comes at the expense of others, I'm going to do that so that I can feel secure. And of course, we know none of that lasts. Well, Dylan, truth of the matter is that we're speaking to Christians. You might as well say we, we're preaching to the converted. Is it then true that we as Christians have a role to play? You're saying we're all broken. We all need salvation. Uh, do we as Christians then have a role to play against corruption according to the Scriptures? Uh, your understanding? Absolutely. I mean, Vainan, just two things. Let's just, let's just talk about that, that demographic quickly. You know, in South Africa, 85%, actually 84.2% of people in the last census said that they bear the name of Christ, that they are followers of Jesus. So who is it that is looting the money from, from our state-owned enterprises? Who is it that is putting in these false tenders, that's, that's acting in opportunistic ways, that's diverting funds to, to family members and friends? I'm sorry to say it, Vayner. It's members of the body of Christ. I mean, 85% of us are Christian. It's Christians serving in business, Christians serving in government. Uh, you know, we turn a blind eye. We let a little thing slip. We think that we are the exception. So we have to accept responsibility for that. We are failing the nation. As Christians, we are failing the nation. We cannot say that we are living in the ways in which Jesus expects us to live. So, you know, the Bible is absolutely clear on this. I mean, you can go and read whether it's in Proverbs, whether it's in the law in Deuteronomy. You can go and read whether it's in Paul's letter to the Colossians, uh, Ephesians, Corinthians. Every single one of those books deals with the issue of righteousness and justice. What does it mean to live a life that is just before God, that can say, Lord, I'm dealing with my time, I'm dealing with my, my energy, with my insights, and with the resources you place in my hands in a way that Jesus would look at it and say, I can say amen to that. You know, the people who serve in all of these different capacities, whether it's in the private sector or the public sector, you know, these are people who, who profess the name of Jesus on a Sunday, but on Monday, we're living as if God doesn't care about what we're doing. That's, it's shameful. Dion, well, people might take you up. You say 85%, well, with the recent census uh, way back in uh, 2000, 85% of people in South Africa said they're Christian. Uh, however, there are people that are saying there was no other tick box, and I'm not any of these other faiths, and the only one that's left is Christian, so I might as well tick Christian. That doesn't mean that I'm a follower of Christ, and that's why corruption is okay, because what I want to ask you, in what way, how should we play a role then as Christians? How should we lead by example? And, and would that make a difference? Can one voice, one person bring about a change in this overwhelming darkness that seemed to have no, no beginning, no end? 
Absolutely. Right, and just two things quickly. That uh, the, the last census data was actually from the 2013 household census. But you are absolutely right. I mean, many people indicated that they're Christian because they're not Muslim or Jewish or Buddhist. And, and that's absolutely right. But, you know, the thing that I come to recognize is that, you know, the church in, in every nation, the church in every nation has a responsibility to be the spiritual and the moral barometer of, of how a country is doing. And, and we should be influencing, we should be advocating, we should be training our members. I mean, I often when I work with, with pastors and, and leaders in congregations, I ask them, when last did you actually preach a sermon about economics that wasn't about tithing? When last did you actually train your people in, in the godly principles of managing not only their money, but how they manage the budget that is in their division of how, how one sees that resources are dealt with in ways that are transparent, recognizing that, that you know, particularly if, if something comes in, it should be dealt with in a way that, that is in the interests of the common good. You know, we should be salt and light in every place that we are. Right? I, I often remember the, the statement from Mark Twain, the, the American writer who said, you know, we should live such a good life that when we die, even the undertaker is sorry. <laughs> and, oh, wow. and of, of course, that, that's what we read in, in you know, in, in, in 2 Peter, that, that, that we should live in such a way that, that even though people may accuse us of doing wrong, on the day of judgment, they may find yeah. nothing to hold against us. And I think if enough of us in this country were, were to begin to disciple colleagues, were to take a, a responsibility for speaking to our spouse, our children, uh, our neighbors to say, what does it mean for us to turn around the country? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes what we do as Christians is we look to government and say, it's only your responsibility. And we forget that, that we are the ones who vote people into power. We are the ones who accept it when people tell us this is what should happen or shouldn't ex- happen. And, and we give over our agency. And I think that's a, a huge mistake for us to do as Christians. Dion, in the intro to this program, we stated very clearly that it's difficult to detect and prove a corruption and legal sanctions probably never adequately served as a deterrent. So we stated that opportunity, incentive and risk are three aspects of corruption which can be legally controlled, but personal honesty cannot be controlled. It's difficult to control. And now researchers are saying that if that fourth one, personal honesty, is not addressed, we'll probably lose this fight against corruption or it's probably already lost. What is your take on it? I think there's a tremendous amount of, of value in, in, in that. I think there's, there's great truth in that. Of course, we need institutions that are functional. We need laws that, that are just and right, and we need them to be enforced and, and fulfilled. That's, that's without question. We need that structural, uh, functional solidarity. But behind that is the very thing that you're alluding to. And this, in fact, is what the gospel is all about. You know, we need right people for us to get a society that's right. We, we need to be able to say, how do I live when no one can see me? How do I think about, about wealth and money when, when, when no one can see what's happening in my bank account? Am I the kind of person who lives with the interests of others at heart? Do I have the value and character of Jesus when I think about how resources are to be, applo- be deployed in my own personal life? Is my cupboard full to overflowing when I know that there are people who can't even stay warm? 
you know, very often these principles, which become eventually structures in society, laws and and uh, approaches to, to a particular nation, they begin in the home. You know, it's how we raise our children. It's how we, you know, treat our family members. It's how we, we deal with things on our street. That's often where our values shine through most clearly. And I think as a nation, we've got to do a lot of introspection. I think the churches have a big role to play in informing people morally according to Christian values, teaching people to say that, that we bear a responsibility, we must be accountable, that our values should be generosity, that we should strive for justice, that, that we shouldn't want to be greedy and wealthy. You know, these kind of values are, are central to the Christian faith. And if we could form people more in those ways, I think that, that we would find that, that we would begin to have a culture of accountability, a culture of honesty that comes through. The South African Constitution certainly nailed it. Section 195 talks about a high standard of professional ethics that must be promoted and maintained. Uh, efficient economic effective use of resources must be promoted. Public administration must be accountable. Public administration must be broadly representative of all South African people with employment and personnel management practices based on ability, objectivity, and fairness. It sounds like hollow words looking at life around us. How does someone else's corruption challenge my personal walk before the Lord Jesus Christ? As a Christian, what would you say? Well, Vainant, I think that there, there are at least three ways in which we need to think about this. Um, the first one is that we have to recognize that every individual Christian has a role to play within their sphere of influence. So do whatever you can do within your sphere of influence, whether that's in the family, on the school governing board, in local politics, whether it's in your workplace. So that's it, salt and light, every individual Christian. Second thing is we have to think about the church as these local communities scattered all over the country. Now, let me just say this, Vainant, this is something I think we forget. There are more churches in South Africa than there are branches of the ANC. There are more churches in South Africa than there are pick and pay stores. There are more churches in South Africa than there are clinics and hospitals and schools. We, we are spread throughout this country and we should be working together with one another to say, how do we raise the moral character and barometer of our communities? How do we model for the nation how we should live? How do we live with generosity and fairness and justice? So, so churches have a role to play. If there are pastors who are listening today, I can tell you when you stand before God one day, God's going to ask you not just how did you pastor your congregation, but how did you shape your community? How did you bless the town in which you lived? And then the third one, of course, is we have these, these structural entities. If, if the South African Council of Churches or if the, you know, the, the, the South African Christ, Christian Leaders Forum was to stand together and say, we represent 80% of the population of this nation. We're not willing to have leaders who are above reproach, who are corrupt. We're not willing to live in ways that, that deny that God has a will for our nation. And if you don't get it right, we're not going to vote for you. So we need that kind of structural support right at the top. And of course, we as members, we need to speak to our bishops and our moderators and overseers and say to them, what are you doing to pressure, to use the, the, the leverage that you have, our advocacy, our voice to ensure that God's will is done in the nation? I want to bring it closer to home and uh, as if it's not close enough. How do I guard my own heart against offense, against bitterness? 
reading daily of corruption, listening to the news, the media, it's all over. We, we're almost drowning in it. How do I guard my own heart against offense and bitterness? Well, I think there, there are a couple of things that we need to note. The first thing that I would say, Vainant, is, is we need to recognize that things are never lost. Um, we, we need to recognize that the God whom we serve is more powerful than any government, that God's ways are more just and, and, uh, and, and more pure than any political or economic system. So, so we have to live with, with that ongoing faith. I think the second thing that we need to do is we need to recognize that because God is in control, because God is in charge, things are never lost. They're never hopeless. And we need to, to guard against cynicism. We need to guard against, against, you know, speaking into society a kind of negativity that makes people just resign and say, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. Let's just let it happen. Don't ever give over to evil. You know, wherever you can, replace evil with good. So I always say, you know, to, to my students, when I preach in church, I say there are four things that we can do. Number one, witness to the truth. If you see that there is anything that is untrue, any lie, any falsehood, even a small one in yourself or others, call it out, witness to the truth. The second thing is uh, bind up the broken. Do whatever you can to be on the side of those who face injustice, who are disregarded, uh, who suffer because of these things. You know, the, the local schools that don't have PPE and water, we should be standing with them and saying, okay, if they don't have that, let's hold our government to account, but let's also uh, make a difference there. Third thing is live the alternative. You know, I see far too many Christians just giving into the prevailing culture of the day. We become consumerist, individualist, and, and we give ourselves over to systems that are not Christian. And then, of course, that final one, whatever you can do, replace evil with good, whether it's replacing evil people who are in, in authority, boycotting businesses that we know that are unjust and corrupt, uh, whether it's casting our votes, we must use whatever agency we have to replace evil with good. Well, we also got a prayer as well. And I want to ask you this. If we as Christians and, and the majority of people in this country, you've already mentioned of the amount of churches, it's all over the place. If we believe in the power of prayer, Professor Dion Foster, why aren't we personally praying more against corruption? What would your answer be to that question? Yeah, I think, you know, so Vainant, let me just say that's absolutely an essential element. I mean, as Christians, we should be before the Lord in prayer. You know, uh, 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear their prayer from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So so we, we have to be before the Lord constantly. Now, just to say, when I think of prayer, I'm thinking of prayer in, in two broad ways. The one is going before the Lord in petition to say, Lord, convict unjust leaders. Uh, you know, show them where their sin is. Show business people who are greedy the emptiness of those ways. Turn their hearts. We need to be petitioning the Lord for that. But we also need to be in a, in a receptive attitude to be still before the Lord, to be reading the scriptures, to say, loving God, would you give us insight? Would you give us revelation? Would you, you give us an understanding of what it is that we can do? so that we, we don't feel helpless and broken. I, I think we need to return to some of the things that we had. Remember in the early 2000s, the, the Transformation Africa movement, the Global Day of Prayer, you know, these kind of collective prayer movements in our communities, in our churches, in our schools, in our homes, they begin to change the spiritual climate, and, and we can see change happening because of that.
Dion, you've already, when I asked you about guarding our hearts against offense and bitterness, you said four things, witness to the truth, bind up the broken, live the alternative lifestyle, and replace evil with good. Now I want to ask you, if life and death is in the power of the tongue, how do we as Christians then talk about corruption? How do we address corruption without speaking death and destruction? Yeah, I think, you know, Vainan, behind that is the fact that we, we should never placate ourselves. We should never deny what is going on. But we can engage this kind of injustice in ways that is truthful, that is life-giving, and that is constructive. So we can, we can name, for example, the fact that, that what is happening is not God's will. Um, we can say that what a person or an institution is doing is wrong. We can name it as such. We can declare it. But we can also say that there is something that we can do about it. We can say that God is in control, that, that God is never disarmed. And because God is that way, by the power of the Spirit, we ourselves are never disarmed. So I, I think we need to guard you know, our hearts and minds. I, I, just simple little things. Be careful how much time you spend on social media in that little bubble, commenting uh, the kind of things you forward on WhatsApp, the conversations that you have with, with friends and family. We all like to gossip. We all like to have our view of things affirmed if we feel embittered or disregarded. I mean, I see this all the time. Friends, be careful of that. You know, anything which which leads to brokenness or bitterness, these things shouldn't be part of, of our vocabulary. We should be engaging corruption in constructive, life-giving, transforming ways. As we said in the intro to this program, it's not only in South Africa, it's a worldwide pandemic. Speaking to Professor Dion Foster, all the way down from the Western Cape uh, in Stellenbosch on the notion of Christians and corruption. Dion, finally, your final thoughts. The way forward, is there an anecdote? Is there a vaccine against this? Uh, is there hope for our beautiful country, South Africa? What would your message be to all South Africans, everybody in position of authority, everybody in, in, in government, in municipalities, all South Africa, the man in the street? Well, the first thing that we need to know, Vainant, and, and this I want to say to our listeners, is, is God is no respecter of persons and God does not require positions of power to change the world. You know, the witness for us is that what would have been considered one of the greatest failings in history, the death of God's only son, becomes the salvation of the whole of the world. And, and the cross should serve for us as a reminder that we can engage brokenness and we can engage it wherever we are. We need to do it in our homes, in our schools, in our communities, in our workplaces, and even in our churches and say, Lord, empower our hands, change our minds, strengthen our speech and, and help us to, to engage this problem. The one thing I want to say, Vainant, is God has not given up on South Africa and we can count on him and he's counting on us. Well, engage brokenness and as we've said often on this radio station, be the difference that we so desire to see in this world. With that, a sincere thanks to our respondent this morning, Professor Dion Foster. Dion, thank you for making the time to speak to us, especially in this times, COVID-19, but more so corruption, not only in South Africa, but all over the world, and addressing it from a biblical perspective. God bless you, and thank you for chatting to us here at Brunpant. Thanks, Brian.